Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm talking about The Malevolent Seven by Sebastian de Castel. So let's breach the magic of books. I just want to say, first off, I did get a, an advanced reader's copy of this in ARC, and, you know, so that's why I am reviewing it. Well, it's, I am also reviewing it because I liked it. That is a, a key factor there. I did I did like this book. I do like most of the things. I have to say, now maybe not most, all the things that Sebastian de Castel has put out that I've read, I've liked. So that is part of it. But I just wanted to be upfront. I'm going to try and keep this a little bit non-spoilery just for everybody. So The Malevolent Seven, it's a fun little book. He has some really good things going on in this book. He, I thought his characters were really done. And as Sebastian de Castella said, he really likes to nail the voice of the characters. And I feel like that is really true, that he does an exceptional job figuring out what each character, what their voice is, what their kind of inner motivations are, even when we're not seeing that on screen, you know, maybe revealed, that is still affecting them and the way they react to things. And then later on, we can see, oh, yes, I can see it's revealed to us here. Now I'm seeing that here. So I thought it was a really good, really well done that way. His his writing style, of course, is always so nice and beautiful. I liked the choices he made about the magic system. I thought they were really fun. And I know there is a, a movie called The Magnificent Seven, which is a, a Western. It's I would have to say, I don't know if he was directly inspired by it, but it is a very similar kind of story. Um, as you can kind of tell, seven characters go to do something theoretically to save the world. This is really not a spoiler of any kind, don't worry. And I'm going to tell you the main character's name because it is in the uh, back cover of the book with the little blurb about it, like checked. His name is Cade. He is recruited to go basically go on a suicide mission with uh, his friend, and they have to recruit some other people and try and figure out how to accomplish their mission. So it's a it's a basic plot, but I think it's done well. And there are there are always the little things that you don't think of that come into play later, or that you do think of and they come into play a little bit differently than you were expecting. So I, I really liked the plot. I, all I'm trying to say is I feel like the plot was a, a little bit more of a basic plot, but I feel like that's doing it a disservice calling it a basic plot. Like it is, but it isn't. So that, that's how I'm going to leave it right there because it's just, it's tough to describe without getting into the spoilers. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So this book was, uh, it was tough to put down. He has nice and frequent chapters, but each chapter to me felt meaningful at an end. Like I feel like I'd actually accomplished something in most of them. But even with the, the all the chapters that I was having in the breaks I could be having, I found this really difficult to just put down and be like, okay, I'm going to sit for a little bit and think about it. I'm going to and sit and go on. I'm just like, no, I want to keep going. I need to keep reading. So it really drew me in. I was like, I was flying through it, trying to just see what was going to happen next. And I, I liked it. As far as the way characters act and if things make sense, I felt like everything made sense, especially at the end when you're like, okay, this is how it is. Now we have a little bit of a change. There's a couple things that maybe I wish had been explained just a teeny bit more, but it's not really required and that's more just me being like oh I didn't exactly catch that the first time I read it or like the first time I glanced over it and I gotta like reread it a little bit but then being like okay it makes sense and it's fine I just I passed it you know or it didn't click for me right away so but on the whole I really did enjoy the malevolent seven it was a lot of fun the characters were really good it's a little gruff and kind of rude but that's to be expected in this kind of a book because it's all about you know outlaws and characters such as that who are evil and so that's how it is so it, it's not a bad side to that it's just if that's something you don't necessarily enjoy you might get turned off by that but just be aware going in that that's kind of how it's going to be so 
Let's talk about spoilers because there's just so much to talk about with this book in a good way. That's a really good thing. I like that. So let's talk. Let's talk about our our plot really quick. I'll just try and give you the the basic structure of the plot. Cade Umbra is or Umbra, excuse me. No, wait, it is Umbra. I'm sorry. I I wrote it down wrong with a U because I wanted him to be Shadow, but he's definitely not. So. Kate Umbra is friends with Corrigan. They are both Wonderists, which is the term for a magic user here. Or you have uh, Aurorals. Well, Auroral is a type of Wonderist magic. So a Wonderist um, can do magic, but the way the magic works, and I thought this was really cool, is that every time you use magic, it's to create a breach in this world to a different world where those effects are normal. Let's talk about Corrigan for a second. He's a Temporist, which, okay, a Tempestorist. And I loved that Sebastian de Castell wrote, he added the ist to everything. So you have, an, uh, we'll just talk about him, an Infernalist, a Totemist, you know, a, uh, a Fortunalist. You know, it just, it makes it feel more real. Like these are just professions. And that's, I like that a lot. So let's go back to Corrigan. He is a Temptorist, so he can throw, you know, lightning and fire and storms, right? He's kind of the power of these like ethereal, like, but not ethereal in a, a, a fainty kind of way, but like a, from a different world, storms around lightning mostly. And the way he does that is he creates a breach between our world or the world of the book because this does not happen on our world right but he creates a breach between his world and a world where you know purple lightning and firestorms are super common and he just kind of leaks through and he it does what he wants because of the way he casts it right so everybody has a certain uh, plan that they can breach to now there's a couple main ones and there's a couple small ones obviously there's like the common plant ones you can cause plants to grow and such there's corrigan lightning but there's a lot of different things to a lot of different planes to a lot of different abilities. So it gives you this wide variety of things, but a very kind of like strict rule set almost to play with in in regards to them. So we're going to talk about them a lot, but Kate Umbra or Kate Umbra and Corrigan Blight are working for a a princeling who's been chosen by the uh, Lord Celestine. So, okay, we're going to back up a little bit because they breach these portals and they create not real portals, but they breach to these other planes. They are two main kind of characters or other species who are trying to get to us. There are the Lords Devilish and the Lord Celestine. The Lord Celestine are kind of like the what we would think of as angels and the Lords Devilish are what we would think of as devils. Now, they think of themselves a little differently, but their big goal, which does come into play at the end of the book, is to just kill each other. They hate each other so much, they will do anything to stop a Lord, a Lord Devilish, will do anything to stop a Lord Celestine, and, and vice versa. Now, nice thing is, they can't actually come to our planet, you know, through any kind of breach or portal, because they just die, because the natural world rejects them, because it's it's unnatural, right? So, they're working for, uh, Cade and Corrigan are working for a prince who's been chosen by Lord Celestine. He makes some choices, and they decide they have to leave, and they're going to go take this job up in the far north, and they're going to have to find five other people along, at the very beginning, they get uh, Glass, who's a blood mage, used to be basically the servant of servants class, the, the lowest, uh, sublime is what they're called, willing to do anything and anything for anyone supposedly she becomes a blood mage which is cool because it's the only natural magic but generally when you use blood magic you go crazy and you just start to kill everybody because the blood calls to you right so that's nice it's like it's a thing on earth but it's kind of the most dangerous because you go crazy and a lot of people die then as they continue on their journey they meet a radius who's a 
Radius is what I call him. He's a totemist, and his animal is a rat bait. So if you are a totemist, you kind of have a an animal that is symbolic to you. A lot of people exemplify it. You know, if you're a bat, you'd give your try and give yourself like bat ears through your clothes or you, that. That's so funny. The whole time, um, the way oh I forgot to say the way this book is written is that it's being told to you kind of by uh, Kate Umbra, Umbra. So you are he's able to interject his thoughts on things, and it, it makes it nice. It keeps it flowing, and he's like, okay, I'm going to point this out, and I'm going to point this out. And one of the things he's always pointing out is that every Every totemist thinks their animal is the best animal. There's no totemist who's like, oh yeah, my animal's not that good. No, they're all 100% devoted to their animals. And Aradius, who is a rat mage totemist, he is so funny because he is just like your archetypical swashbuckler, which is not what I think of with rats, but like the things that he does and talks about, like you can say, okay, yeah, I see it. He, this is like the rat personality he's choosing to, you know, be an emblem of and trying to like raise the the quality of rat mage's life right he's trying to be like oh no i'm good like rats are cool like but not in a, a silly way right so we have uh shame who is an angelic that they meet she can you know read minds and shape change and kind of shape change others but that's against her thing and she's being basically abused on a pleasure barge and so they have to they choose to rescue her because radius won't go with them otherwise and they need him for this plan they escape by going through the infernal realm so you can we can go to the infernal realm they escape through there. They meet up with, they're trying to get to the next place. They get their sixth companion there, who is Alice, who is a an infernal paladin or a diabolic paladin. So she is a devil, but she follows kind of mostly the tenets of the Glorian Justicars, who are the Aurorals or the Lord Celestines kind of people. They do what they say. They give in blessings and attunements and stuff. And that's, so she is following their creed, but is a diabolic, right? So she comes with them. And of course, the whole time we have Jackal, uh, who is also who's nick- a jackal, like a literal jackal who is nicknamed Mr. Bones and super funny because the whole time you're like, oh, he's going to turn into something. And and then he does, but not in the way that you're expecting because he turns back into Fiddick, who is a basically a super puppet for the Lord's Devilish and the Lord Celestine. He's not like a puppet puppet, but he's willing to do whatever for them. And his was like kind of like the most flimsy of like believableness. But he knew, you know, that he he did it because he had lost his faith in humanity to actually be good. And he saw the horrors of being a sublime and everything that was done to him and done to others. And so he's like, well, clearly it will be better if the Lord Celestines take over, even though the Lord Celestines, which this is kind of a major plot. So if you haven't read the book, please stop and go read it. Like the Lord Celestine and the Lord's Devilish, they're just like people. They all, they make bad decisions and they do bad things all for the chance to, you know, get to earth to, to wade their grand crusade. The the Lord Celestine supports murderers and, you know, even Cade, who we learn is a former Glorian Justicar investigator. So he was one who would go and investigate things that the Glorian said happened, and then he would prosecute them, which is kind of weird in their system because they would just get told what to do and they'd go along with it. Because to them, the the Lord Celestines are perfect, and so it would, there was no doubt that this was the right move. But then as he started looking at it, he's like, wait a minute, they're letting all these people who did really bad crimes off, and all these people who did really small crimes are getting killed because they won't bow to the Lord Celestine. So he's exiled and moved on. Oh, I never said what Cade was. Cade is an infernalist. So the only way he gets spells and powers is by making a deal with the devils or the Lord, the Lord's devilish or the diabolics in order to 
trade pieces of his soul or other souls in order to get his spell get access to his spells now as they get to the north they arrive at the blasted lands they learn that well they know that the blasted lands were created by like thousands of thousands of wondrous fighting each other and just causing issues because when a breach of reality conflicts with another breach of reality it can cause problems now generally it doesn't cause a lot of problems because you're talking about like five to ten wondrous on each side maybe this was thousands of thousands of wondrous on each side so there's a big problem there and here we learn that there are seven brothers who have a very very rare attunement called pandoral and they are creating a gate to bring the pandorals to our world because the pandorals could live in our world now pandoral magic they say is a little bit uh they don't say it but we're told later that it's unexpected it does kind of slippery it does crazy things so the pandoral brothers are like hey we're gonna let this is gonna happen these people will obey everything they're not going to expand and they leave you know Cade and the group leave and they talk it over the next night and they're like hey uh, we're gonna have to go stop those guys and have been Galas, who's kind of the youngest and most inexperienced, is like, well, why? They said they'd agree to everything. He's like, yeah, that's exactly right. That's why we're going. We have to go stop them. You, they don't. You don't agree to everything in a negotiation. That just proves that you're not going to follow it, or that you have nothing to. You don't have anything you care about, and you don't care about anything because you're not going to follow through with it. Well, it's true. A, a Pandora does show up. Uh, get through the gate which is created by the brothers and they basically can't do anything to stop it it was pretty crazy it was uh, very scary in fact they are unable to defeat the single pandora who comes through no matter what they throw at him he just reforms being made of bugs they devise a plan to stop the brothers gates because the brothers have turned into the gates they do i uh, managed to do that and then comes the twist the lord's devilish and the lord celestines are actually working together and i kind of called this because they they mentioned it a lot that the only thing they care about is fight wanting to fight each other and to kill each other but they can't do it and so the only way they can do it theoretically is on the mortal plane but they can't get there right so the lord celestines and the lord devilish rebuild the pandoral brothers bodies but change them so that they connect to the lord's devilish and the lord celestine plane we get three and three coming and i eat from each side and now the world has gods and it's just like boom it was great so you know they've saved the world and then doomed the world at the same time like yes it would have been bad being with the pandorals because the first thing that Pandora says to them is, ah, you will serve. And it's like, okay, yep, we couldn't fight that guy, so that sucks. <laughs> but it was, it, it's a fun book. So that was the main plot. Then at the end, they decide, you know, okay, it's the uh, the Lord Celestine side or the Lord's devilish side. And Kate says, ah, but it's not. There's two sides, but you don't get to let them force you to pick which side you're on. You pick your own sides. And so he picks the side, you know, I'm the other side that doesn't want Lord Celestines and Lord Devilish just ruling over us and telling us what to do. And there's the side of people who do want that to happen. So we're going to go fight everybody and mess everything up for as many people as we can. So let's go for it. You know, and that's the end and that's the plot. And it's really good. And talking about characters, they're they're very well developed. Cade, I knew from the beginning that Cade was not going to be, you know, he tries to put on this big bold, I'm such a bad person. I am not a nice person. I do bad things. I'm evil, rah, rah, rah. But you know, underneath, he's got the heart of gold and he's trying to be better and he does. And so I loved that. He's always like, oh, I'm so bad. Everybody's like, yeah, quit, keep telling yourself that you are so bad. And keep doing bad things to yourself to like, not to stop it from hurting others and then say you're a bad guy. Like, no, you can't, you can't trick us. So he's the main character. Obviously, we're always in his head. So we're going to see the most character development out of him. You know, we see his past. We see how he's changed. It was so good. Like I talked about earlier, the writing's really nice, especially having his voice kind of talk to us about it so that the reader can see and he can interject things to it. That was just fun and nice. And 
just kind of keeps it helps it keep moving along at a, at a nice pace where sometimes something can be boring on screen that's happening but kind of necessary and he's able to interject and, and push that forward so like I said earlier you know the investment I just couldn't put this book down I really enjoyed it and I really did feel like I could feel the atmosphere of what he was talking about when he's hanging upside down you know you could almost it made sense the way he talked about things that you felt that way or the danger that he was in like I never was like oh yeah they're just gonna get through this because they have to get to the end so that was nice and it was a big twist that the Lords Devilish and Lord Celestines could come through the Pandora brothers. You know, when they did, it totally destroyed them. So they, you can't get a flood of them. But like that twist made sense. Like I knew that something was going to happen, that the Lord Celestines and Devilish were going to break, you know, faith or disobey or change something. But I didn't see exactly what. So I liked that. And I did like that, you know, kind of the prize of this mission that they've been told about, that everybody's been told about is the apparatus, a machine that can change your attunement to anything else. So if you've ever wanted to be something else, bam, this is your chance. If you wanted to strengthen your own attunement, here you go. This maxes you out basically, right? And he's like, okay, I'm going to give this to Galas. You know, she can stop being a blood mage. No, she doesn't want it. Uh, the shame, that's what the name she gives herself, shame, the angelic. She's like, oh no, I don't want it. I'm going to face the world as I am, you know, account for my bad decisions here. You know, Aradius, he loves being a rat mage. He's not going to change. A, rat, a swashbuckling rat mage. He's so fun. I really liked Aradius too. Like he is, he's just like that. I'm going to be a good guy and I'm going to do good things. And compared to Corrigan, he's like, I hate everybody and everything. And I'm going to do my best to mess everything up for everybody. And I don't care. And I'm going to just throw lightning at it because I can, right? And Alice is an infernal, the diabolic paladin. And he's like, you could actually attune yourself to the, you know, auroral plane. You could hear the, the royal song. And she's like, no, I'm already a good paladin. Like, I don't need that crap. And so they're like, come on, like, Cade, this is clearly for you. You're the only one who doesn't really like your source of magic, you know, because he's an infernalist. And he does end up going with the chance magic, the fortunalist. I love that decision because he's always pretending it too. I I like that magic too. Chance magic is so powerful and so cool. Eh, I'm glad he did that. So that, that's my review. I really enjoyed the Malevolent 7. You know, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. You know, if you have any questions or comments, please send those to libromancypod at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps other people find the podcast. And remember to breach the magic of books. 